We are live here. Thank you for joining us today. We have a very special treat for you. We're talking with Representative Mike Sylvia of the New Hampshire Assembly. I'm sure we'll get uh, some of the particulars here in just a second. Mike has recently proposed that a bill or a law, we'll get into the details here, that uh, New Hampshire could secede from America. This has been a lot of attention. Mike worked with one of the groups called Liberty Block. Liberty Block has been working with Yes California for years. And we also filed an, an initiative and referendum uh, here in California for secession. And we're proud to see another state use the proper legal channels to actually file an amendments or referendums for secession, showing that this is a reasonable topic and you can actually get it through. But before we get into it, real quick, Well, in 2012, I believe there was a foundation for New Hampshire independence. In 2014, Dave Ridley proposed New Hampshire exit. The goal of New Hampshire exit in 2014 was to simply get one person in the assembly or the government there in New Hampshire to propose a simple resolution for secession. Now, fast forward to 2021, we're speaking with Representative Sylvia, and he literally did just that. Mike, what was the resolution you proposed or the referendum, and what exactly did it say? Sure. So um, here in uh, New Hampshire, we uh, can propose bills as legislators. Uh, we had a one-week filing period uh, back in September, middle of September, fairly narrow window. And I put forward a constitutional amendment and it's really rather brief so I'll go ahead and read it. It will uh, fit in after article 7 of our first part of our constitution which is our Bill of Rights. Um, New Hampshire uh, made the Bill of Rights first before establishing the government so that we are very clear that all of the rights in the, the first part of our uh, constitution are those reserved to the people. So uh, we're going to propose uh, Article 7A, Independent Nation, and it says, New Hampshire peaceably declares independence from the United States and immediately proceeds as a sovereign nation. All of the references to the United States in this Constitution, state statutes, and regulations are nullified. It's that short and simple. Have you had any contact with the Foundation for New Hampshire Independence or New Hampshire Exit, or is this just you and the group um, Liberty Block? Sure. So this uh, this is a, a small state, and uh, this is the home of the Free State Project. So a lot of uh, the Free State Project movers are uh, connected with uh, this organization, various organizations within the state. We're all. Uh, it, it's a small state. We know each other. So uh, we're all very well connected. Uh, like I'm sure uh, California, you would have to find uh, a, a town fairly small to be uh, kind of connected with all the people that uh, we connect with. As a matter of fact, our legislature has 400 members. I think we are 1.3 million people in New Hampshire. So uh, each representative district uh, represents about 3,300 people. So uh, that's just a little bit bigger than a, a small town, I suppose. And uh, we know our constituents, our constituents uh, know us, and uh, we're, we're all pretty close. That was one of the things that we talked yesterday. So we talked for a little bit, and I had asked you briefly, and if you could tell me your answer again, why New Hampshire? Why did you propose this? Now, the topic of national divorce, national divorce, is widely being spoken about. Sarah Silverman, the comedian, a few weeks ago proposed the idea. Multiple conservatives around America picked up on it. If you type in national divorce, you can see it trending. That comes in between two polls. One before the topic was trending, saying that 42% of people in the West Coast would be open to secession, 66 in the South. Then we had Sarah Silverman and conservatives get into it talking about national divorce. And then we had a second poll saying that the support for secession is up to 52% of all Trump voters and 41% of the opposition side. So why 
if so many people are talking about national divorce and there's so much interest according to different polls in the last three months showing interest in this topic at least given in comparison to the last few years why is it that you and new hampshire were the only ones to actually propose this and walk it through the actual system to implementation sure so um this has been an idea that's been floated as you say uh, dave ridley was kind of uh, one of the, the prime movers in the state. He was an early mover for the Free State Project. Uh, he was here back in the early aughts. Uh, so he's been around a long time, has done a lot of uh, things. Uh, I moved to New Hampshire myself in 2010. So I'm here 11 years. Um, just for the, the background, I'll, I'll give you, uh, I wasn't planning on running for office. Um, I wasn't quite sure what my activism would be or how I would be connected with my uh, move here with the Free State Project. And uh, I live in a town that's very Republican. Uh, and during the filing period to run for office, there were no Republicans running in the town that I had moved to in 2012. I had just moved uh, in, uh, I believe it was April of uh, 2012 and the filing period is June, and filing period came and went. Uh, people were looking for candidates to run in Belmont. Uh, there was no one stepping up. Uh, there's a period after the filing period which uh, the party can put someone in. Uh, there was still no one. So in order to get on the ballot, they went beating the bushes, found me and another guy, uh, Chuck Fink, who was my chiropractor up until uh, he passed away a couple of years ago. Um, we ran uh, on an open primary ballot, which obviously is very easy to uh, succeed. There was one other person who tried to uh, get elected, but uh, we uh, we stepped up, we won the primary, and of course, uh, being a Republican town, it was uh, just uh, a very easy win to uh, become legisl legislators. So that was the beginning for me, and uh, of course, I wasn't uh, particularly interested in uh, being a politician, but uh, I certainly have principles, uh, liberty principles. I was a libertarian previously when I was in New York. So I came and uh, was uh, interested in doing what I could uh, on any liberty front. Uh, I was never really uh, a fan of secession. Uh, it didn't seem like a prudent thing to do. I remember that. <laughs> and uh, you said that, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's been a long time, uh, and I think things are changing. Um, you know, we could we could use the uh, the straw that broke the camel's back, which turns out to be a, a bale of straw this year, between uh, COVID and Biden and uh, all of the crazy stuff that's going on now. Uh, or you could use the uh, the boiling frog analogy and. Uh, consider some nuclear device dropped into the water instead. Uh, it just, it really, all of the circumstances that uh, are around us have really pushed the issue to the forefront. Uh, and this is why it's happening, uh, not only here, but everywhere. How does this happen in New Hampshire that we actually get this? Uh, we have a very open process uh, in New Hampshire and a legislator can file a bill. So. Um, when the various groups uh, came around asking if I would sponsor the bill, uh, I I said, well, yeah, okay, I guess it's it's time. Um, so uh, they had proposed this. We had some uh, uh, little workshopping uh, sessions uh, talking about uh, what the bill would look like, how we would do it. Um, that was that's all you know out there in public. It's uh, we're very transparent. We uh, recorded those things and they're they're online. Uh, you get you get uh, frank discussions and truth from me. Uh, it's on my uh, I uh, keep my recordings on Odyssey. Uh, uh, right, right. O d y s e e dot com. The uh, crypto backed. Uh, site where the websites, the uh, videos can never be removed. The, the alternative to those who will take things down. Yeah. Right. Uh, so those are on there. Um, I've linked up to them. Actually, I think uh, Dave Ridley and uh, Ian Freeman uh, were involved in recording those. So those are available to see how we you know, approached uh, thinking about this. And uh, go so ahead. Why now? why now? If I could, for the viewers watching in, there's a lot of material. There's a lot of background. 
Um, I know I read some of the material that you had released as to why you were proposing this, but in your words, one of the things that grabbed me when we talked earlier was that you were not initially for secession at all, and you've come to it. How did you make that journey? What was the um, uh, evolution? How did you go from that's a crazy idea to actually proposing this recently? Why now? Why now? Well, it's, you know, as I said, uh, it's been a long time coming. You know, you go back to Shays Rebellion, you go look at um, our gun rights, uh, our constitutional amendment, uh, our rights have been violated, although it says shall not be infringed. There's all kinds of infringements on our rights to uh, keep and bear arms. Obviously, much less in New Hampshire, so it's a little easier to live with. We uh, actually even got constitutional carry finally uh, a few years back. So, uh, we have very, very open uh, gun law. So the things that are coming about now, we've got, uh, it looks to be not only within the United States, but around the world, uh, totalitarian governments uh, just stepping right in. We, we saw with the pandemic, the opportunity was taken to do all kinds of crazy authoritarian nonsense. Um, this is a, a pretty good motivator. When you have tyrants everywhere, um, I think the time has come. We've got all of these mandates coming down from the federal government, DC. They, uh, they have the, the CDC telling us we, uh, we have to get uh, injections um, using OSHA rules to force those injections on, on employers and employees. Uh, you've got the CDC saying that uh, you can't uh, uh, evict uh, people who are not paying rent. I mean, those are property rights violations. Uh, the violations stack up all over the place. You've got the recent talk from the Biden administration and the Democrats talking about packing the Supreme Court, adding states, uh, doing almost a, a national vote, uh, like a national popular vote. They're going to uh, try and take out uh, any anyone that wants to get in their way. They want, uh, you know, one giant democratic rule. And I believe in the, you know, I believed in the Republican system, the you know, Republican form of government, that is. And this is uh, where we're really way too close to the edge, if not already over the edge. And it's time. Frog in the pot of water as it continues to get hot the water is starting to boil it begins to boil but it's too late for the frog to get out you're saying that the excesses and the extreme behavior by the federal government taking over states rights has been a long time coming you've been seeing it but recently it just got too far there was a line uh, perhaps in the sand that they crossed and happened to be coming underneath the mandates for COVID-19. Is that a fair summary? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's been coming. There's been plenty of uh, warning and it's been accepted slowly. And, and all of a sudden we've got it coming from all kinds of angles and uh, they seem to have no restraint in their um, ideas of how far they're going to push it. So, the other question is, and I, I think you got it, this was why New Hampshire? So national divorce is trending. Sarah Silverman's talking about it. Uh, it's all over the place. There's two polls, one before the topic started trending and one afterwards. And I made a video on that recently showing support for secession is going up. There's 50 states in the union. All we've heard about is Texas walking this through, through some sort of legal mechanism with their government. And all we've heard about is New Hampshire is the only one where they have a politician who actually proposed it you know, you're a sitting official, you're actually in the government, and you proposed this and got it in, I think, through the Legislative Analyst Service Office. And I think you're still waiting for a 60 to 70% vote to have it passed next year. But the fact is, is that you got it in the system. I think what you were saying was, the reason is that you're a real person, and that in New Hampshire, you have a famously low uh amount of people per representative, something like 400,000 per one person, whereas in California, we're, we're approaching like one to two million per person. In, in America, very few places have that level of representation where uh, a small number of people are represented by uh, a human in the legislature. And I think what you're saying is that perhaps in the other states, 
it's too hard to get into office. You have to have so much money, so many um, allies to get in, and maybe they're able to filter out ideas. Whereas you're a real person, you ran for this, this is what the public's talking about it. And because the representation level is so egalitarian and fair, you're act real people are actually able to get into office in New Hampshire, whereas real people in other larger states may not be able to. And so the idea that you're proposing is one that the public wants, and maybe there's the public in other states that want that, but they can't seem to get through the barrier of how many people and moats and money and system. And you have kind of a, a really great access to democracy at the local level there. Is is that correct? Is that a fair uh, abbreviation of what we've been talking about, sir? Yeah, except I think you said uh, some 44,000 per representative. No, it's 3,300 citizens for each representative. That is, you know, a semi-large town for each representative. So it's it's tremendously very much its citizens. And, you know, we get paid $200 for our two-year term. So it's not like we're in it for the money. That unfortunately skews things a little bit towards the uh, the gray side uh, in our legislature. But we do have some young folks that, that sometimes when they're in, still in school or going to college. Uh, so it, it, it can work out okay that way. Um, there was another part there and I got sidetracked in. Well, it's just, if, if you're proposing this legislation, and I think it's good and it's simple, other people could follow it. But I think what we're talking about is that do those states have systems where regular people can get into the system and the power structure so that they can propose something like this? And Right. So, yeah, the other part of that is that um, because uh, 400 citizen legislators uh, are hard to come up with, <laughs> uh, there are some districts that just you know have to go out and, and drag someone off the street and say, hey, uh, you're going to be state representative this time. Okay. Um, it's... It's an interesting system. So one of the things with so many of us uh, wildcat types uh, in the legislature is that we aren't necessarily beholden to the establishment to uh, keep us towing the line, so to speak. In a lot of other states where it you know, does take significant amounts of money to run for office, um, you, you are probably dependent upon the uh, the system, the party, to get you elected here. Um, my first term, I, I don't even think I spent like $300 on signs. Um, so that's all self-funded for the most part. Some people raise money in, in big, bigger districts. You know, it depends on where you're at and how much competition there is. But because you're not, I'm not beholding to a party, then the establishment yeah, they sometimes don't like what I do, but uh, you know I do what is principles, and certainly the citizens in Belmont know exactly what they're getting with me. Uh, there's no doubt about it. The, the headlines are out there. You can Google me up and see all my uh, infamous uh, glory. Um, I'm I'm you know pretty straight straightforward with things. Uh, so with that being said. Uh, our system also allows that um, bills that are submitted are not subject to being um, stuffed away under a, a couch seat somewhere. Everything that gets submitted, as long as the sponsor continues forward with it, will get a hearing in the House. And that is the major thing, the major difference. They can kick and scream about it all they want they can try to do things but there's not a whole lot of way that they can stop at least one hearing um, for the bill and after that hearing there will be a vote in committee and there will be a vote on the floor of the house and those are unavoidable there's maneuvers that they can do to try to disrupt things no doubt about it this is politics and you know uh, it's, uh, it can be hardball out there, but uh, it, the, the people will get at least the hearing on it. And from the feedback that I've gotten so far, I expect that we will have a very large uh, group come out for the hearing in our normal process, our legislative office building. They have rooms and they've got double rooms. I think a double room might accommodate maybe up to, let's say, 100 people. Um, 
if they go beyond that, then we have a process where everything goes over to the representatives halls, which has 400 seats in it. So uh, if this is as popular as it seems right now, uh, we might have to hold our hearing in representatives hall and people will stream in and out for possibly a day long hearing on this bill. Wow. So you have the ability for regular people to run for office. They don't have to get a lot of cash to be able to do it. Uh, they really only need to impress maybe 3,000 people or a small town, and then they can be known. Money's not really an object there. You can get in. And when you do propose something, they actually have to debate it and go over it, and the public actually has to be allowed to watch. Am I getting that correct with the summary? You've got it. Absolutely. Uh, wow. Last Last year, of course, with COVID was a little bit uh, crazy where they did everything by Zoom and it was a mess and that's a horrible, horrible process. Um, a lot of people like the remote access through Zoom for hearings, but it, it does not um, really satisfy a real back and forth discussion. Uh, if you've seen any kind of, uh, you know, I'm sure everybody by now has been involved with these Zooms with more than a dozen people. We've got 20 people on each committee. Uh, it, there's, there's just no way you can have a real uh, contemporaneous uh, discussion. Right. And, and if I'm not mistaken, the referendum that you have proposed, it's got to get about 60 to 70 percent of the House or the, the uh, Senate to get through. But you do not have to get Governor Sununu's uh, approval in order for this to become law. Is that correct? That's correct. Um, so this is a what we call a constitutional amendment and concurrent resolution, which means it is uh, passed by the House and by the Senate. Um, I believe it's by three fifths in each body. And then it goes directly uh, on the ballot for the uh, for the for the uh, citizens to vote on. And I believe that is a uh, uh, two-thirds vote uh, required for that. I should nail down those numbers, but it's, you know, it's a large portion. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. I just found the similarities to be very interesting because uh, we propose ballot referendums here in California. As a citizen, you can propose it directly. You don't have to be a politician, but you still have to get the voters to approve it. But the great thing is that once it's approved, uh, it just becomes law. You know, the governor doesn't have to approve it. And I, when I saw that with your process, I thought that was very interesting that these seem to be the last uh, hold-ons to real democracy, where you're, you're letting the public, however they will, actually make the decision. And then I find that very exciting, especially given these days where, uh, you know, bills are always destroyed before they actually get to be voted on. People can't get into office if you don't have two to three million dollars. Uh, good people trying to do small fund, uh, fundraisers can't get enough money to compete, and they can never get media coverage. It's nice to see there's these holdovers that allow real democracy to happen. And I find it interesting that I think the New Hampshire law that allow you to do this is at least 200 years old, maybe 100 years old. And here in California, our law that allows us to do this is it goes back to 1905. So we're looking at these vestiges of democracy that we're able to hold on to and use to promote these ideas that people actually want, regardless of what the power system says. And it's only because they were grandfathered in a century ago. Uh, right. We don't actually have a referendum process here in New Hampshire. So the only way to get something directly a question before the citizens is to put it out as a constitutional amendment, which then, you know, if it, if it passes, it will be on the ballot. And um, this of course goes back, uh, the New Hampshire constitution was uh, uh, put in place back in 1784, three years go. before. Three years go. before the federal uh, yeah. constitution, so we we started it out, and uh, we have sovereignty built into our uh, constitution. It's in in fact uh, we've got the right of revolution is one of our uh, first uh, bill of rights rights uh, part first article ten, and we uh, we retain those rights. We never gave them to the federal government. And the process that I'm taking here is fully within the Constitution, even if uh, some of the leftists would like to say that I shouldn't even be able to hold office for uh, proposing it. Let's talk about that. So the moment you proposed this, there were two things that I saw. One was that there was another legislator, I think it's the Speaker of the House there in New Hampshire, proposed a bill saying that if you propose anything like secession or leaving the union, you can be removed or from holding office. Uh, 
something like that? Yeah, that was not the Speaker of the House. He's uh, he's not that mean of a guy, uh, okay. although <laughs> he okay. had some, some words. So I'm just going to look up. Uh, I've got a friend of mine sent me the text of this uh, bill that one of the folks that just changed from a, a Republican to a Democrat over vaccine issues. Uh, he filed a bill and I'll, I'll, it's fairly short. It has to do with qualification for office. Right. And it uh, it adds this section uh, is determined by the general court to have engaged in insurrection or rebellion or given aid or comfort to the enemies of the state in violation of the RSA uh, revised statutes annotated. Uh, this shall be determined by the House of Representatives in the case of a member of the House of Representatives and by the Senate in the case of a member of the Senate. And then they go on to define insurrection uh, as provided in Article 14, Section 3 of the federal constitution, a person who engages in insurrection or rebellion against the United States or who gave aid or comfort to the enemies thereof shall be ineligible to hold elective office in the United in the state unless Congress by a vote of two thirds of each house uh, shall remove such disability. Uh, for the purpose of this subparagraph, insurrection or rebellion shall include any action intended to separate New Hampshire from the United States and aid, uh, aid or comfort shall include any action facilitating such intent. So this was clearly written uh, to counter my constitutional amendment, which is kind of crazy. So that won't go anywhere. It violates our constitution. The New Hampshire constitution absolutely allows uh, this uh, amendment of mine. It's, it's kind of ridiculous that uh, he would even propose this, but uh, some of us know the constitution better than others. And so this was, I mean, uh, just off the top. Yeah. So, so many things there to unpack. You're proposing your law for the union for uh, New Hampshire to be able to break off at the same time as you're proposing this, another legislator proposes another bill that says, Hey, anybody who proposes anything like secession can be kicked out of office. And I think you said you didn't necessarily see that as having a good chance of winning, but it has what's known as a, a chill, right? It's a, a form of intimidation. It's a shot across the bow. It's a cannon blast to the front lines as they used to do to let you know, hey, watch out. We'll take you out if you go through with this. Am I getting this wrong? Is that not a fair uh, summary? No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, it's not the first time I've uh, run into flack. And this is what happens when you see targets. Uh, you, you draw the flack. Um, so you, yeah, you propose an idea as an elected official who wins an election democratically, uses the system enshrined in the Constitution to propose a law, walks us through, actually has the word peaceable or peace in it, uses the whole system all the way through. And the best thing they can think to do is say, well, even if you get all your ducks in a row and even if you jump through all the hoops, if you say this one thing and you do totally legally correct, you're still a bad guy and have to be removed. Is yeah. that, that way off basis? No, you, you've got it exactly right. And there are other, other parts in our constitution that protect the speech of legislators in, in their job function. It, it, it is just so far out there. It's, it's absolutely yeah. absurd that he proposed it. I, I can only expect that uh, someone will knock a little sense into him and uh, he will toe the line and withdraw that silliness. It, it will just be embarrassing for him. But it hasn't been criticized so far. So this, this I don't uh, think anyone knows about it right now. Uh, okay. So far, when uh, when we file these uh, LSR legislative service requests is what happens before you get a bill. Um, only the title is printed. So I happen to get that language from a friend who must have gotten it from him. Um, but they aren't published until the the uh, sponsor signs off on it and a bill number is assigned. So. Uh, that may not even uh, exist by the time bills actually uh, get distributed to committees. The other thing that we saw recently was, I believe it is the Speaker of the House there, is, uh, if I'm mistaken, uh, please correct me, but someone high-ranking, uh, Chambers, Chapter, I'm drawing a blank on the name, is going around saying that uh, you are a racist and that this idea is racist and that no one in the GOP is thinking about this at all. So they're saying two things. 
he's crazy. No one's talking about this at all. I was on the phone call with you in Liberty Block where you were talking about getting even more legislators to, to back this. So I think you're looking at eight or nine already. You're pushing 10 is the maximum limit. Am I, is that wrong? Right. Uh, we can have 10 representatives on a bill as co-sponsor or sponsoring co-sponsors. We could have 10 names listed. Uh, and I believe I can add five senators if uh, if they so choose. We currently, I think, are at eight. Uh, so we have a couple of slots open and uh, senators are a little trickier to, to get hold sure. of. They're a little more tied into the sure. establishment. But in the building that you're in, in the part of the government, you're close to reaching the maximum number of people that you can have on that bill supporting it. And yet you have the speaker of that same house saying that nobody in the GOP is interested in this idea. Who's not being honest? Ah, uh, so uh, what you're referring to is one of our earlier sessions where we recorded because we do things transparently. Uh, we recorded a, a session discussing uh, filing a bill or constitutional amendment in this case. And as you know, those who work the uh, politics uh, full time uh, in this state, uh, the Democrat leader of the, um, the party leadership, uh, Ray Buckley, uh, his crew tuned into that, found some juicy little tidbit where I was discussing and speaking just like he would if he were being honest um, out in the public. You know, there are things that people are motivated by. And in one of those issues that I set up, and I did not make a statement of my own, but there are people out there with racist ideas that would talk about uh, folks crossing the border who ought not be crossing the border in their minds. These are not my ideas, once again, because they're going to take things out of context. And speaking about that, they, they, there are a lot of motivated people, particularly in the conservative side of things, whether it's immigration issues, whether it's gun rights, whether it's voting, uh, election integrity. There's a lot of issues that are being discarded, uh, disregarded, and they're motivated. That's why I expect that our, um, our hearing for this constitutional amendment is going to be packed. And they'll look for any little thing that they can find to try and do damage to me, make the, uh, the you know, if, if you can't attack the idea, attack the person who's uh, putting it forward. And that's why I wanted to ask you, because I saw that I'm Latino, we've talked, so I was just going to ask you straight up. And, you know, by the way, we were called Russian spies. Um, I've personally been accused of being a white supremacist. I'm Mexican, so <laughs> really doesn't matter. Uh, so Larry Elders is a white supremacist, too. Yeah, so, well, he uh, he said some pretty racist stuff. Yeah, well, I don't yeah. want to get into it, but right. he said slavery, you know, whatever, and minorities just complain. You don't talk like that out here in California. So I'll leave it there. That's not what we're here about. What I wanted to talk to you about was slander. Now, I was going to give you the benefit of the doubt because <laughs> I'm still called a Russian spy, right? Uh, uh, House Resolution Intelligence Committee, Mueller Report, and another investigation cleared of assault wrongdoing. No reporters will actually cover that anymore, even though it's been out for a year and a half. So welcome to the land of free press and uh, home of educated voters. He said that you're employing racial stereotypes for any purpose is wrong, shameful, and never get uh, Republican support. And he also said secession is not something the Republican leadership is remotely involved with. But... Um, I got to say, when I'm talking to you, you don't strike me as a racist. And when we're talking about how you got eight people um, that are maybe going to be doing this and you're uh, signing on to this and you're approaching the maximum, um, it, it doesn't sound like no one's interested in this. So I got to say, I'm hearing you and I'm hearing this guy and it looks like this, like my dad used to say, one of these don't match. So how come he's saying nobody in the GOP is interested at all? We don't care about this. And you're approaching your maximum number of supporters and how come he's saying you must hate all latinos and yet you're doing an interview with one uh, what's going on this is the way that uh you know they they don't want to rock the boat they want to have everything uh very vanilla uh cruise on through don't make any waves they, there's always the uh the political calculation that, uh, and unfortunately it happens mostly with Republicans that are just uh, try to work the middle of the road. Uh, don't be too uh, out there on the liberty edge or the conservative edge. And, you know, 
as if they're going to get Democrat votes. Uh, it doesn't work like that. As uh, far as I'm concerned, when when Republicans go out and say they're middle of the road, it does not encourage Republicans to get out and vote. And I don't see why on earth you would want to uh, alienate your your. I mean, this is this is essentially what Trump. Uh, the message he got through is, you know, if you're going to say and be conservative, well, do it. Um, he, he's, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, saying he's the uh, the greatest thing ever. Uh, a lot of great stuff came from him, uh, particularly when he he's pushing against the, the establishment. And I think that's helpful um, because I think the establishment on both sides try to work that 50-50 and, um, you know, divide the people up as many ways as they possibly can, find the issues that, that come down 50-50 and, and divide and conquer and keep us controlled. Uh, that's, right. that's the establishment routine. That's what they did here. So we were getting very far and then it's all your Russian spies. This is a secret Russian plot. Don't hang out with those people. And, you know, then nobody would hang out with us because they thought, you know, I had a direct pipeline to Vladimir Putin, et cetera. None of which was proven true. They even subpoenaed our bank accounts and found nothing at all. And they found nothing and nothing and nothing. Multiple investigations, but none of the reporters, I emailed 45 of them and said, would you at least print an update? Keep the story up. Keep the misleading headline. Keep your slander up. Just at the bottom of that newspaper, for anybody who gives the expletive, thesis, whatever, sorry. It gets a little personal. Just put a little update. By the way, all the stuff that we predicted was going to come to pass was completely disproven. Here's this report that disproves it. Here's another report that disproves it. Here's a third report that disproves it. There's literally no evidence over three years and multiple investigations involving state government and multiple levels of federal government and intelligence services to prove any of this that we just said above. Keep it all up. 45 reporters, no one, not one response. So mm, that's America. Uh, yeah. Now, and, and just to back you up, um, the uh, White House has literally said they're going to have released 200,000 Mexicans, undocumented immigrants, without requiring COVID tests. So this is not a theory. This is not Trump talking. I'm Latino. I love immigration. I even love undocumented immigrants here in California, but that's here in California. And when a man in another state in America says, look, the federal government is allowing undocumented people in illegally who may be infected, are coming from a hotspot, and are not required to get their COVID test. That's true. That was confirmed by Jen Psaki two weeks ago. 200,000 people from a hotspot allowed in. The White House is not going to test them for COVID at all. So what you're talking about is a reality, and the federal government is allowing it. And if you are concerned about coronavirus and your people dying in mass, I could see how that would be a concern. And it is a legitimate concern. Let me back you up a little bit more. Just for all the haters out there. If I moved to New Hampshire and I said, I love New Hampshire, would you accept me, a Latino, as a fellow New Hampshire person? Yeah, absolutely. I have a friend in state who is from uh, the islands. Um, he okay. immigrated uh, legally, was in New York City for quite a while and came up here and found it's a, a great place to be. Um, wow. It, it's, it's, it's a, I, I, we don't have a lot of diversity here, no doubt about that, but absolutely welcome. And you know, sure. you, when, when you stand out like that and you're a decent person, you're welcomed. It, it's like, it's, it, I mean, you know, who doesn't love a unicorn? <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, come on. Yeah. yeah. And this is what I told you guys about Scotland. You know, Scotland is very Scottish, very Scottish. And when they did the Scottish independence movement, the English came with, oh, you guys are racist. Well, the way the Scots did that was they kept having Muslims who are Scottish citizens and have the accent do all their commercials for them. So what they were saying is like, yeah, Scotland's 98% Scottish. But if you're an immigrant and you come here and you, you know, eat what we eat, talk like we talk, you're a Scot. End of story. And that really helped crush the these negative talking points because I can already see they're working on you, right? So... This is illegal. No one's interested in, in it. That's a lie. The media isn't going to tell you. That's why we interviewed him. So they're going around uh, talking about the head of the uh, New Hampshire Gov saying no one's interested in that. You're hearing from the source saying, yes, there is interest in that. They're also saying these guys are white supremacists and racist. 
you're hearing that's not true directly from the source. And, you know, it's just like they told us here, we're all Russian spies and this is illegal that we're doing. It's built into the California constitution and all those accusations have been disproven. So I, I'm with you, brother. I get it. I, I see that the slander is the same across an entire continent of distance. Why do they keep doing the same thing to us Americans who just want to pursue our constitutional right to express ideas? And this is the biggest thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll give it right back to you, but I'm sorry. I'm really bothered they're doing this to you because they did the same thing to us. You're a decent man. You've worked through the system. You got elected. You followed democracy. You played by the rules. And then they're going to punish you and spank you and trash your name. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, we are, of course, uh, being a member uh, or a mover with the Free State Project, uh, as most of uh, the folks here are. Uh, we're on a terrorism watch list, of course, because, uh, you know, we we are, um, hey, uh, the the original creators of this country were, were insurrectionists and yeah. rebellers. Yeah. Um, so we have, uh, we actually have Russians here. We've got a few Russians here. Great. They, they love leaving that uh, kind of system and they know exactly what can happen here. We yeah. have fantastic, uh, I don't know if you know uh, Lily uh, Tang Williams. She's been a great advocate uh, from China, originally from China. And she has just been pounding the drum against this this tyranny and she's goes around and, and and gives people the real word of what happens in China and, and how she grew up. She's been a, a great liberty activist. Uh, is she a Chinese spy? I don't think so. <laughs> um, so oh, we have a, lots of folks okay. here that have come from other countries and they know what, you know, the real problems yeah. really look like. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about nuts and bolts um, of this. What do you, um, why aren't more states doing this? Do you think more states will follow your lead? Is that an acceptable future for you? Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, highly acceptable for um, all of the countries, uh, all of the countries, <laughs> they are countries, uh, all of the states to consider it. Uh, we are in a good position where we are near Canada. We, are, we have a, a ocean access. Um, I've heard of, uh, you know, on uh, a recent podcast, uh, talk about West Virginia. Well, West Virginia is kind of landlocked um, and doesn't have tremendous assets, I suppose, other than uh, coal. And I'm not, you know, putting them down. Uh, they've got mountains, so that's uh, that's a good thing. As uh, some folks say, uh, it uh, mountain men are, uh, as we found out in Afghanistan, are uh, kind of hard to take out. Um, so I think, you know, we could... I'm not a central planner and I don't have the answer for everything, but if we have other states like Texas say, um, we could have a new confederation. Uh, we don't have to share borders. If we have uh, ide ideology that, that matches, um, what's wrong with that? That's, that was, you know, one of the original ideas, uh, trade with all and, uh, you know, these entangling, entangling alliances are, are, you know, uh, very dangerous. So let's 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 open up our ideas of thoughts of what uh, what other you know, a new United States could be. Uh, we could start out with uh, New Hampshire and Texas, and uh, see who wants to join our United States. I, I found that interesting because we were talking earlier about that, and that you know states may leave, and you know in California we're looking at that as the you know California leaves and becomes a nation, and you're saying well maybe if you leave and become a nation, you may choose to enter into an association with other free states like the original thirteen colonies, um, uh, I guess like the Confederacy later on, although this wouldn't be backed by slavery, but there is this idea that if you leave you can come back and you can form the association that you want, and it can be based upon. I guess, real federalism. Um, and maybe there might be like-minded other independent nations at that time who would be interested in that. That's similar to what, <clears throat> I'm sorry, we see Canada and Japan and um, France and Germany doing where they saw the NATO alliance destabilized under Trump. They are, especially after Afghanistan, not convinced that America is a stable partner under Biden. And so they're literally shopping around for new alliances. So if you look at Japan, France, Germany, England, 
Australia and Canada shopping for a new international Western alliance to join. Um, they're doing that right now. They're doing it low key, but the thing is they're talking about that and there will be no USA in that group. It's going to be all of them without the USA. So they have a reliable partner and they're shopping around right now because they no longer think America is a stable ally. Uh, you're not going to see that in the mainstream news, although it is being covered. Type in uh, Japan, France, Germany, England, Australia doing alliance shopping. Uh, the French Prime Minister Macron recently talked about that, uh, et cetera. So it looks like we might be looking at the same concept here in states, where the states are saying this uh, system of government may not work, but we like the idea of alliance with like-minded countries to a degree, and maybe we need to go shopping. Yeah, I mean, the ideas are, are out there. We just, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe what we need to do is to divorce D.C. Uh, all, all 50 of us can say, uh, you know, enough of that 10-mile uh, square, and uh, maybe we can give them to, to China. They seem to be pretty well tied up themselves uh, as it is right now. Or the United Nations, maybe, you know, move the United Nations out of uh, New York City, let them uh, go down to D.C. Um the, the, the possibilities are endless, um, but the discussion is uh, one that needs to be had. Let's go down the rabbit hole a little bit. I think we've covered a lot of the uh, specifics of this for people, and we've gotten the information out uh, that needs to be. Do you want this to happen? Do you want New Hampshire to actually full-blown secede? I wouldn't be opposed to it, obviously, but I think the more important thing is to have the discussion and then more importantly, just let the, the people vote. Um, unfortunately, the legislature uh, is going to possibly stand in the way and, and not allow that, that vote to go to the public. I think it's, it's you know, with, with a constitutional amendment, it, it's a huge barrier if you get it before the, the public, but I think they should have the opportunity to say, Yes or no, you know they can go ahead and say Mike Sylvia is crazy, um, but I suspect that it would get a fairly strong vote, and perhaps you know not enough to, to pass, but enough to scare some people. I think you know there was a march, a medical freedom march, uh, through the capital city of uh, Concord around the state house over the past weekend. And uh, this little state turned out 1,500 people. Um, perhaps not huge, but it's it's pretty pretty big by the the standards of New Hampshire for uh, folks to give up a a Saturday during a leaf peeping season uh, to to get out there and and you know be heard by uh, those who are. And in fact, they they tried to bury that story that. Uh, it, it was uh, such a big turnout, but there were some other little protests about abortion and whatnot that uh, that seemed to get more of the attention. Uh, you know, little turnouts of you know, a couple hundred people and this march of 1,500 people through the streets, shutting down the, uh, the city for a little bit, um, meh, kind of ignored. So you'd have to, you know, once again, uh, we, we have a controlled media that is uh, filtering everything we see. Um, this is this is you know another one of these really huge problems that uh, we we should never allow. Well, I guess how do you? I think we should not allow the government to uh, push propaganda through these media outlets. And I'm fairly confident that uh, that's what's going on. Um, you know, they 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 get the money. Uh, in fact, for the uh, the vaccine uh, promotion, uh, they've gotten billions of dollars to spread that message. Um, but the truth about simply taking vitamin D to you know reduce uh, your, your I'm, chances. I'm sorry. Uh oh, I'm sorry. I can't say that we're on uh, because they are nuts out here. So we don't, <laughs> I'm we sorry talk about that at all. We'll say you have strong opinions about the regulatory framework coming from the federal government and that you believe that your people have the right to determine for themselves, and we'll leave it there. Is that is that okay, brother? Is I, that all right? I, I believe that Odyssey is a great place to get your uh, video from. Okay. All right, we'll leave it there. Thank you. Thank you for playing along. I, I, uh, for, I forgot where I was. Uh, this is, 
Uh, wow. I'm not even going to go down this rabbit hole because yeah, there's yeah, just yeah. no uh, learning in here. Uh, you wanted the no rabbit hole, now you want out. <laughs> yeah, there's Sorry, no learning. You know, and it's, it's yeah. And that's, uh, hopefully that's, you yeah. don't get a strike. You'll you'll be right up there with uh, Tom Woods and, and have uh, to. Uh, <laughs> every day, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, so uh, one of the things that we talked about was if the people in New Hampshire vote for this and if they do it, you were saying that you think the time is now where states would be allowed to be freed by the federal government, that you didn't see a time where the federal government was going to say, no, you can't go. We're going to march on your capital uh, like they did with, I think, um, Olympia or whatever the, the capital was of, of the Carolinas in the South. What, what did you mean by that? It, you think the time has passed for World War II style invasions and we live in more of a free association type thing, largely because our economies are so inexorably umbilical to yeah i don't I, I don't see a big you know the, the whole fear of a of the the tanks rolling in uh i don't see that you know you, the way that they do things these days and we know the three-letter agencies are always um active uh you know color rel revolutions around the world upsetting things uh, that's the more likely scenario if they want to be um be like that but um we have, you know, we have a population because we are small that is very connected. I think uh, sixty percent of the residents of New Hampshire are from elsewhere in the country, or the world, for that matter. So we have a lot of connections. My family is in Rhode Island, uh, and of course, Rhode Island joined the union under a little bit of duress. Um, so. I, d I don't see that happening. We are very much still connected by, you know, family and custom to uh, the rest of the people around uh, the United States. And that's not going to change for quite some time. One of the things that I really liked pointing out was uh, I've heard this um, opinion before. Uh, the reality is that California really wanted to. It could probably just leave the United States. It'd be unconstitutional, illegal. And we're not proposing this. We're proposing using a referendum, uh, applying for uh, permission through Texas versus White. But here's a legal scholar saying the reality is if a state wanted to do it, you know, they're not going to roll in the tanks. We're too well connected. Our, we're too trade too much money, interconnectivity. And, you know, you invade something, you blow something up, like shuts down the whole economy. It terrifies people. You have mass... Uh, uh, you know, people leaving an investment, it's just so destabilizing. They'd probably just let them go. Now, say what you will, but that comes from CNN and specifically the legal analyst for CNN and MSNBC News. And that's in 2016 when they were talking about California. Here's the name of the article. It's called What History Says About Cal Exit. And it's by Danny Savalas. So, the the we have legal scholars who are literally backing up what you say you know we're just past that time does that seem fair to you yeah it does seem fair to me and it seems like you know what's going on now uh, beyond uh, the, the the nonsense coming out of dc is this whole you know klaus schwab and his uh, world economic forum um you know new world order if you will uh it, it seems like this is, they have taken the pandemic and taken all of this and gone global. And uh, if, if DC and those folks want to uh, join that kind of system, uh, all the more reason to be on our way out, if not out, um, that's, that's an even bigger problem because it, it seems like, uh, I guess I don't want to go into uh, uh, things that will get you in trouble so uh it just seems like that has a path that is uh not favorable uh yeah so that's uh again just to back that up so what history says about cal exit by danny el savalos is an american legal analyst for msnbc and nbc news multiple legal stations and this article is printed on cnn so you have a legal analyst for MSNBC and CNN saying on MSNBC and NBC saying on CNN, yeah, they're they're not going to roll tanks in, and I just find it interesting. He said it four years ago, and it completely backs up what you're saying. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, our, our the New Hampshire Constitution uh, reserved to the people uh, our rights uh, in our Part First, Article Seven. It says that only the powers that are expressly delegated to the United States will be, you know, powers. Everything else is reserved. So, yeah. even before you get into the Tenth uh, Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, we've already reserved those rights to ourselves. And the powers that have been expressly delegated to the United States are very few. And uh, I'll just, uh, you know, one little bit from uh, our. Article 10 of our Constitution, it says, and then you've heard this words like this before, whenever the ends of government are perverted and public liberty manifestly endangered and all of the means of redress are ineffectual, the people may end of right ought to reform the old or establish a new government. And that's where we're at. Yeah, uh, and the American Revolution was a secession act. It was also a civil war act. They were trying to break away and form their own government. That is secession. There were many people in America who did not want to leave. That means it's like a civil war. So yes, the American founding fathers engaged in civil war and secession. That's what it is called legally. They call it revolution, but that's not the legal understanding when you look at the framework of governments going way back. Additionally, when people are calling, saying that what you're doing is sedition or uh, rebellion, they may try to define those terms however they want, but they're very well defined. You're doing nothing even remotely close. We were accused of the same things here. There actually has to be a foreign enemy. They actually have to be declared an enemy, and they actually have to be in some sort of conflict where lots of Americans are getting shot and killed, and then you actually have to go give aid and comfort to that enemy while they're in the process of killing. So unless you're reaching out to Al-Qaeda and saying, hey, guys, let's work together, you're doing nothing even remotely close to what they're accusing you of, and you're completely safe. It also says something about the people who would use those terms that they wouldn't even understand 200 years of legal history and how when they use that phrase in that context, they seem like stupid idiots. So just wanted to put that in there. You don't have to comment. You can look it up. Them saying that is ridiculous. It's like going, well, I'm going to call you a bear. And I define a bear as something that's 20 feet tall with spots and yellow fur and lives only in the plains of Africa. That's a giraffe. No, it's a bear because I defined it that way. No, that's not the way the law works. No, I think what we're doing is much more like the second American Revolution, which happened when we uh, disposed of the Articles of Confederation and formed the U.S. Constitution. That was a peaceful transfer of power into a new form of government. Um, you know, some people can disagree with that, but that's what happened. It was a, a revolution. A new government was formed from an old government. And, you know, the first one didn't last all that long, but we're just looking at forming a new government and it will be uh, an independent New Hampshire. Last question. Um, national divorce. 2016. California was talking about seceding. It was it was all over the news. Biden gets elected the beginning of 2020. Texas talks about seceding. Three months ago, there's a poll showing that the plan for unity and national cohesion has completely failed, and people on both the left and right are talking about secession. Then entertainers and many conservatives start talking about national divorce. It's trending at this moment. And then we have another poll showing there's still continued support for secession. So we have a state making news a few years ago saying they want to secede, then another state making news saying they want to secede. And then we, after we're told that America's going to come together and it's all good, that's not happening. And we have multiple polls going, no, there's a lot of interest still in secession. Is national divorce a uh, flash in the pan or is it a sign of where we're going? Your opinion. I think it's the latter. We seem to be on our way to that divorce and hopefully a peaceful one and hopefully it will be prosperous for everybody involved we are definitely due there's um it, it it i think at this point it is building it is not going to just go away there needs to be some kind of re resolution not revolution but uh, a, a resolution to this uh where you know we can um agree to disagree and move on and if we don't pursue peaceful divorce, things get better on their own. People just calm down, even though they haven't. 
what happens? Well, I don't know. There's uh, somewhere near 30 trillion uh, problems out there, and that's the big one. Uh, there is an economic uh, wave cresting, and uh, it's not a pretty one. Um, that's that's probably the one that's that's most damaging, and and the reason the World Economic Forum has uh, great ideas for a reset for us. I think it was the hip hop star Jay Z who said, "I got 99 problems, but national divorce isn't one." Maybe he was wrong. <laughs> Last minute comments, Mike. We're going to let you go. Post this up to our network here. Share it with you. Anybody else who's pursuing secession or wants to talk about it and is a reasonable human being who believes in using the constructs that are provided in a safe manner, please reach out to us. Yes, California is dedicated to getting the news out that the mainstream simply won't cover. Mike Silva. Last minute comments, anything you'd like people to know, perhaps websites to check you out, ways to contact you, sir. Hey, pleasure to be with you, Marcus. A really good conversation and uh, enjoy it. Um, I think we need to have a lot of thought to put into this. There's a lot, lot, lot to do, a uh, long way to go. Uh, it's not going to be easy, but uh, I think we can do it and we can do it peacefully. And if anybody needs to find me, uh, it's mikesylvia.org. And... You can find out all kinds of things there and uh, Google me if you need to. You'll get all kinds of other stuff. Uh, it's all out there. I'm uh, just uh, as straight a shooter as possible. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm sure the communication will keep going. We're going to end it there. And I'm going to send this you a copy of the video. So we're about one hour for the interview. That's good. That should keep the view count up high. So thank you, Mike, for being here. And I will send you a copy very soon, sir. Pleasure. Nice talking with you, Marcus. Yeah. What up? Take care.